0: Welcome everybody to First Time Outdoors. Uh, This is our first episode in which we are going to explore some topics about the outdoors. uh, Everything from hunting and fishing to camping even, uh, hiking trails, really anything that uh, gets people outside. Um, And we really want to be doing this, I think, to give people the tools. You know, sometimes getting outside can be intimidating you know there's there's a whole lot of barriers to entry to Mm -hmm. getting into hunting or fishing or everything and so um, we want to get into some of the details and some of the things that kind of get people hung up and help you get through that Um, so uh, my name is Jake
1: my name is Mike
0: and uh, yeah this is first time outdoors so I think it'd be best in this first episode here to just kind of go through a little bit who we are um, what our experience is with the outdoors you Know what we like to do, how we spend our days, wh- what do we think about? Um, some of those yeah. things. So, why don't you uh, why don't you lead us off your mic and kind of describe
1: your history and where you're coming from? Sure. Um, so, uh, Jake and I are friends, we've been friends since college. We met freshman year, um, we both went to St. John's. Did I say that? Mm-mm. And, uh, we lived across the hall from each other and got to know each other and had uh, kind of different backgrounds and um, ultimately became really good friends and we have kind of developed a, a foundation in the outdoors together and so uh, we're now thirty. I have, <laughs> and I have, uh, I have been around hunting and fishing since I was very little. I mean, there are pictures that we have of me in a baby carrier on my dad's back while he's wielding a 410, walking through the woods up in Grand Marie, Minnesota. And uh, I've got eye protection and hearing protection. (laughs) And uh, he's got a couple dead birds hanging from his belt. um, All the way through, you know, carrying BB guns with him, kind of emulating what he did. Um, fishing and camping was a family tradition we did it every year we went to brainerd uh, went to paul bunyan land it was just a yearly thing um got my firearm safety when i was 12 did my first south dakota pheasant trip when i was 12 um maybe 13 because opener usually falls right around my birthday in south dakota um and so it's just been something I've been doing since I was v- very little. And I can also remember my dad taking me when I was four or five, dressing me up in camo, and we'd go to the woods near our house and uh, sit in a tree and just watch deer. He wasn't hunting, but he was teaching me what hunting was like and how to, f- how to find deer and how to sit quietly and how to appreciate all the other things that were going on, the birds and the squirrels. And, um, the weather and all these different things. So, um, it's definitely part of my family culture, especially with the men in my family. Um, and so, uh, after school, where I studied biology, I worked at a, a larger nonprofit wildlife nonprofit organization, and was doing various things there, um, talking to a lot of farmers and other members of this organization about hunting and then ultimately decided that I wasn't making enough of an impact there because I was talking to too many people that were you know getting up there in age 50 plus and it's really hard to change people's minds about what conservation looks like at that stage in their life yeah and it was getting frustrating so what I decided to do was go back to school and get my teaching license and teach at a high school level And there I taught biology and chemistry and, um, it was my decision to do that because what I wanted to do was get at these kids at a younger age and apply biology in like an outdoorsy way. And so, um, I was the kind of person that had like all sorts of stickers on my computer for like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation Backcountry, back backcountry hunters, anglers, pheasants forever, ducks unlimited, and getting a lot of questions from students about who are these people and what do you do, and um, that's when I decided that this could be more because there's a lot of there's a lot of young people that are interested to get into something like this, but they just don't know where to start, mm-hmm. and so I want to be that person that welcomes these people and says, yeah. you know. You can do this, and I can help you, and it's not as hard as it looks. So. Well, you've definitely
0: already done that <laughs> once before in your life, if not many more other times. Um, specifically with me, I think, uh, you know, you came from a family of hunters and anglers and outdoorsmen. I was the opposite of that. Um, my family liked to be outside, but we didn't really engage with the outdoors in any, like, significant way. Um, you know, we like we grew up on a lake so we we liked to be on the lake and swim and tube and wakeboard and that sort of thing but we didn't fish really my brothers and I did when we were kids off of a little fishing boat but mostly it stayed parked in the in the dock and we'd fish off the boat while it was parked um so yeah we just really never had like a a history or a family tradition aspect of it uh, my, my mom's brothers were hunters, but we, I just, I don't know. It just never really transferred to my immediate family. Um, I was always interested in fishing and liked to fish. And I think that really kicked off in a significant way when I went to college and met guys like you and our friends, JD and, you know, Paul and go down the list. We had a good group of guys that liked to fish a lot. Um, so that was really where things sort of started to take off for me. Um, and really it just has sort of snowballed from there. I went from fishing to keeping fish to bird hunting a little bit with you and your dad and your brother. Uh, we went for pheasants and did some early duck hunts and things. Um, that was my first exposure to like, you know, probably shooting something. Um, I think I shot a bunny when I was a kid cause my mom was upset that he was in the in the garden (laughs) and she gave me a bb gun um and told me to shoot it like thinking that i wasn't going to shoot it and i did and it was a little traumatizing maybe a squirrel or two like a chipmunk or two just like getting in trouble as a kid you know as a young boy but you know going out with intention for ducks and pheasants and stuff that was like a good a good entryway i think it's really common for a lot of hunters to get in through birds um so yeah, like your family and you specifically have like taught me so much about everything that is hunting and fishing. Um so yeah, to hear you say like that you wanted to bring it into the classroom and you know, the work that you did that you did with that nonprofit, um like it all makes sense cuz that's like a natural part of who you are, I think. Um and yeah I think that's you know through you and 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 with me as well I think that's something we want to continue to do through this first time outdoors is like uh bring sort of what we we what 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 we know um we're not professionals we we won't claim to be any <laughs> sort of experts No we're not definitely not experts we're more likely the novices to moderate experience level people that like we have questions too yep. that we need to get answered we There's going to be a lot of stuff that we're doing for the first time um, or that we've only done a time or two in the past, Um, but it's really about broadening that exposure and like pushing your comfort level, getting into things that are challenging, that you're going to learn from um, and really grow from. And I think that's what we hope to bring to all of you out there.
1: There's There's a lot of things that I as an outdoorsman want to try never done before you know we all have kind of our mentors with the outdoors you know my dad and my grandpa and my dad's brother um, are certainly those people but they all have their expertise yeah and so mine kind of fell with um, pheasants grouse and whitetail archery that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. Um, my dad didn't duck hunt he did but never with me. Once I was born, he stopped. Um, but I've always was interested in trying new stuff. And I know that it can be really hard to find those mentors. You know, if I'm interested in going and shooting an antelope or hunting an antelope out West, it's hard for me to find somebody that does that because Mm -hmm. my family's here and that's not part of our hunting culture. In my family. So, um, being available to other people that are wanting to try the things that I've tried is really important to me. Um, because I, I see how much of a challenge it can be to be a first time outdoors person in all these other fields that I have interest in exploring.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So like, given the fact that you have a certain history, like you know, whether that's white tails and pheasants and, um, musky fishing and things like that. Like, what are the things, like, what do you do currently? And like, what do you want, what are your immediate interests? Like in the next year or so the things that things you want to kind of stretch yourself to, to expand in the outdoors?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think that the ultimate problem is that the fall is too short. Yeah, You know, because as I keep adding these things that I want to try, that means I've got to start, you know, either giving some things less attention or giving them up altogether. Um, and so for me, I I would say the things that I pursue the most, I would be fishing would be number one. Um, I'm a, I'm a big musky fisherman. That's that's my go-to thing. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm not if I'm fishing for something else, and there's muskies in that lake, it I'm not giving a hundred percent into yeah. what I'm doing. So that's, if I'm slip bobbing for sunnies, and I see a muskie dart after a sunny, you you bet I'm gonna go grab some muskie gear and start throwing because I yeah. just it just becomes an obsession. Um, so that's number one. Um, I do Canada trip every year which you've been on with us we mm-hmm. fish for pike mostly and which is very similar to musky fishing because you're catching big you know almost 30 pound pike um but as far as hunting goes pheasants um this is in no particular order pheasant hunting um that's really where i got started hunting um archery deer i don't i've never used a rifle for deer hunting i don't I'm not that I have much against it. I just I really like that what aspect that archery brings, which is you know understanding the animal a little bit more serenity to me, I guess, and Mm a little bit more level playing field for the deer because they've got so much more advantage at a close range. Um, And then those were the major ones. And then later on, when I met some friends in college. Our friend Justin, he introduced me to duck hunting, which I got really into for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said before, sometimes you just start, you know, prioritizing the things that are, you know, either new, the newest, or the ones that are your favorite. I'd say that duck hunting is not my favorite, but I just don't have as much... Exposure to it anymore. Sure, you know, I don't, I don't have private land to hunt. Yep, public land's tough sometimes, and you know, it's harder to find people to go do that with. Because to me, outdoors is a social place, yeah except for bow hunting. But, um, and then recently I learned how to turkey hunt, um, and that was something that you and I started doing mm-hmm. together. It was like, why aren't we turkey hunting? Because this is in the spring and it doesn't interfere with anything that we do in the fall so um that's a new thing for me and i love it fell in love with it luckily in the spring i don't have any other commitments so yep that works out really well so my bucket list hunting items now the things that i want to start getting into uh i really want to go on an elk hunt i want to try that really bad um my dad had done it in the past and has got all sorts of stories from when he used to go on his adventures out to Colorado. So that's on my really high in my priority list. I would really like to someday go for caribou in Alaska. Um, I'd like to hunt hogs in Texas or um, New Mexico or something. Um, moose would be really cool. Um I think those are, I'm trying to keep my list short. because, like I said, the fall (laughs) is so short and you can't pack it all in. And I'm I'm really not really, I'm not that willing to give up catching big muskies. Yeah. And sitting in a deer stand waiting for a whitetail to come by.
0: And you're not going to do caribou and elk and moose in the same year. That's true. You're not going to do two in the same year. So it's Mm -hmm. like, that's the weird, that's the hard part. Uh, and we'll get into this later about me being like an adult an adult hunter that just got into it like when you go yeah like maybe you've got one goal this year and then it's an it's a full calendar year until you could pursue yeah. that next goal and then the next goal and like if these are out of state opportunities or something then then you're giving up time to do the thing that you love in your state so like it's almost like living in Minnesota during the summer. It's like you have such a short window to mm-hmm. to have a nice time outside. That's like, yeah. God, I just <laughs> wish that, like, I lived in Southern California where it was nice all year round. And I wish, I mean, we'll, and again, we'll get into this too. Like, the opportunities to do th- things outside, they do last all year round. Yeah. There's things to be doing all year mm-hmm. round. It just so happens that some of the more... Um, like, intense ones or something mm-hmm. come around a couple, like, two months Yeah, in the fall. Yeah.
1: I don't know if, if
0: intense is the right word, but, like...
1: Well, they're certainly the most foreign to yeah. you. You know, they're, they're yeah. brand new. Yeah. They're so different than anything that you've done before. Yeah. You know? But, like, you know, catching
0: catching walleyes through the ice is never going to hold a candle to doing a lot of things yeah. in, the, in the woods. Not for me anyways. Yeah, yeah I yes. guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. for That's a good fair point. Yeah. For fair point. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. Well, that's a good list for sure. What about
1: you? What's on your, what do you do? What's on your list?
0: Yeah. So I would say that my number one passion or level of, um, knowledge has turned into fly fishing um mostly for trout in the driftless area Um, but really for everything i've kind of picked that up as like a fun a fun new challenge in fishing i'm certainly not a fly fishing purist if you want to say that like i'd love to fish in any capacity but um just like you said like with you know if there's fish if there's muskiness in a lake, you're gonna grab your musky rod. Like mm-hmm. if there's a reasonable chance to catch fish with a fly rod, I I've turned to like that. I guess, um, yeah. That's it's just been one of my big passions. Um, I like the I like the challenge of it. I mean, some days, just like with all fishing, you will just completely get skunked. There's so much variables that can happen Mm -hmm. um there's so many different nuances to the style of fishing and and unlike other styles like for instance walleye fishing or even pike or bass fishing there i understand that there is also those complexities to those types of fishing as well for some reason they never just landed on me like i never really cared about like the certain nuances of targeting Like in I could never like remember the depths and things like and what structure do they, do they find at what parts of the year? Yeah, and like I I always just struggled with that. When's the spawn? I when I was all, it mm. never landed, mm-hmm. but for some reason for trout fishing it really Was like something I got into and wanted to learn everything about um, So that's been yeah, probably like the last five years or so that's been like my biggest passion um, and then shortly after that, uh, you guys were doing a winter bow league shooting indoor and I, you, you guys invited me to shoot a couple times and I did that and was, you know, like nervous to hit, I would say I was like nervous to hit the back wall of the shop, right? Cause, like, <laughs> I just had no idea. I would shot a bow like a couple times in high school or middle school, like gym class, um, but hadn't touched one since and really started to enjoy doing that through the winter. And then uh, since I have a range that's close to my house, a public range, and I have a dog and it's right next to the dog park. I was like, I go past that range every day, essentially. I should maybe get a cheap bow and maybe I could make up some lost ground and, and go shoot like a lot. And maybe I would like to just become better. at You know, I didn't even really think about it as in terms of bow hunting. I was just like, it'd be fun to be a a good shot. Mm -hmm. And it was at this point that I, you know, like I said before, I'd been keeping fish for years now and, um, had gotten my hands dirty with some birds. So I was like slowly coming around. Um, and it was this interesting combination of just like right time in my life. Um, and the right exposure to some things. Um, Steve Renella and meat eater. Mm -hmm. Like that was a big shift in my perception of hunters and what it would mean if I was to become a hunter. Mm -hmm. And like, I guess I just never had it. Like one, I never had exposure to hunters and two, I never had a hunter explain to me why they did what they did. Like the only hunters I knew were like my two uncles Mm -hmm. and their boys. And that was just their, that's what they did. It was like, there was no reason. Mm hmm they were just hunters. Um, so yeah, long story short, I had a lot of exposure to like Steve Rinella and his way of thinking and, um, started to wrap my head around the fact that like, yeah, I can identify with a lot of what he's getting at and was kind of open to giving it a try. So then that fall, uh, I just decided to get a tag and went out a, like two times maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and I I'd seen some deer uh, the first couple times I was out, and won't get into this whole story now, but uh, was successful my first year um, bow hunting for whitetails, which was a wild story and it was really fun, and so that has become a big passion of mine. Like it's, I wouldn't say necessarily overshadowing fly fishing, but like there's so much to learn and so much to get better at that. Like I'm at that beginning stage of the curve Mm -hmm. where like, I think my skills as a fly fisherman got to a certain point where like I'm capable in a lot of ways. And with bow hunting, I still feel like I'm not capable in a lot of scenarios. Mm -hmm. There's still so much to learn. So like I'm, my focus lately has been a lot on that and then like trying to get better at that. Um, Which has been really fun in terms of like, next steps um i will be doing an elk hunt this fall uh in 13 days so just under two weeks i'll be driving out to idaho um with our buddy ben and justin and yeah again uh talk about being like underprepared <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um i've got two white tail seasons under my belt and i'm heading out west um to spot and stock elk so it's going to be pretty wild. I've been really focused on all the things necessary to prepare as best I can uh, in that capacity. like I've been hiking a lot, uh, shooting pretty much every other day, if not every day, and just trying to get trying to get better. So we'll see what that leads to, but yeah, I'm excited about that. It's going to be wild. And I got a shotgun last spring, this spring.
1: First gun purchase. First gun,
0: i o- yeah, I'm now uh, a gun owner. Um, and so that's also another thing on the list that like I want to, you know, I've, like I said, I've gone bird hunting a few times, uh, Waterfowl and pheasant, upland, and uh, grouse, uh, which I really enjoyed grouse hunting. Um, definitely want to get like back into that a little bit too. Like you said, uh, it's super fun, but just Lot, a decent amount of barriers like yeah. not having decoys not having a dog I mean I have a dog but he's not a a bird dog in any way um and just time like you say September October November that's 12 weekends it's mm-hmm. 12 weeks you know you start to split up the hobbies and I work on weekends too mm-hmm. and we have family time and like It's really hard to do it all. So,
1: well, I think that's the reason why we we can't claim to be any sort of expert, Mm -hmm. right? Because neither of us have ever hyper focused into one of these things. There's too many things that you like to do. Yep. And so when you become a kind of a jack of all trades, you become a master of none, Mm -hmm. right? And that's really where I'm at. I can't claim to be have to have mastered any of my particular interests in the outdoors but it's not that doesn't stop me from wanting to pursue it more just means i got to make more sacrifices yep do you have any other on your list other than the elk i mean you're kind of checking that off already what's what are the unchecked boxes boy i don't even know
0: um yeah maybe some different types of fishing i've done a little bit of saltwater fishing that's been super fun uh kind of a rabbit hole to go down again <laughs> um but i yeah like i think maybe i'm at the point where like i don't need to open up more <laughs> yeah. n- more wormholes or whatever the analogy would be if like i think just getting proficient in the things that i have the um awareness of right now is like my main goal like know how to look at a piece of land on onyx or something like that and Mm -hmm. say oh that looks like some good public land up where my folks are from um it's a waterfall management area i know how to like how to go find birds Mm -hmm. and like what time of year to go do that yeah and and how i could actually figure this out and how to get it done um Mm -hmm. same thing with whitetails like i don't have any family land or anything so like how to get access to properties how to, and how yeah. to pick it apart and learn it and like yes i've done it with the guidance of you and your family and like you know i've done it like being helped along by families of by my friends and so like getting out there and doing it on my own is like a big thing yeah. that i want to start to check off um, and i've done I've definitely done that a little bit, but like, you know, just getting better at it for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said. Do you want to get into your uh, your first successful deer hunting story? Because you know, we had talked about this a little bit um, in preparation for this first podcast, and um, we'd kind of figured out that we have some parallels between our first. Um, memories maybe are the most impactful moments in hunting or maybe uh, taking an animal's life. Yep. Um, so we could segue right into that. Sure. Sure. I could I could start off
0: with mine. Um, so it was a sort of a public, kind of a quasi-public hunt. Uh, it's a lottery it's hunt a lottery by drone. the state of Minnesota. Uh, it's a two-weekend hunt in a kind of a protected area um and we your family has been going there for a long time uh, how like
1: probably 20 25 20, years yeah. i've probably gone 10 your dad's clothes. been there for a long
0: time and your mm-hmm. uncle and cousins and whatnot it's kind yeah. of a big traditional
1: thing for yep. you guys yeah because you don't have it like sorry to interrupt but bow hunting at least in my family or the way i grew up around it doesn't have a you know deer camp mm. you know like i see i see as part of the culture more of sure. rifle hunting and so this hunt became that deer camp would be
0: like rifle season or mm. um muzzleloader season is like a very short window mm-hmm. so it lines up perfectly with people to go to their cabins yep and hang out because everybody knows yep. it's the first week of november or whatever yep. first weekend drink beers it is. and tell stories and so it's set aside, yeah. Yeah. whereas the bow season is middle of September to the end of December in, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, nailing down a time to get away, that's tricky. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so this hunt kind of maybe served as that function for you, and uh, you and your family invited me to join um, <clears throat> on this hunt. And I had a lot of apprehension, but, like, I had gone out a couple times and I figured there'd be the best opportunity to be with people that I trusted and could help guide me through the process. Um, so the the night before we're camping and I, you know, obviously didn't know what was coming my way, but I had told your brother, Derek, like if no matter what happens, I if I have an opportunity to see a deer tomorrow, like I hope I just make a really good shot and it dies like very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I had this a lot good of, foreshadowing. Yeah. Cause I had a lot of, <laughs> I had a lot of apprehension about, uh, you know, taking a life of a, of a large game animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably, if I'm honest, didn't think about it too much bird hunting. Like it's a little sad, but like not, I don't know. It didn't require the thoughtfulness of like, it didn't yeah. feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing with fishing. We can, Talk, explore those ideas later as well, but pretty much I was I was kind of nervous about the possibility and like what I would have to do, cleaning it and like that was all so foreign to me that I was like, uh, at the very least I hope I just make it, you know, make a good shot. And it's the first morning. um, It was a snowy morning, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Snow on the ground and. Very quickly, at, shortly after sunrise, your brother Derek sent out like 20 minutes into shooting light um, that he had a doe down, which was just a shock to me. I was like, oh my gosh. Like he was this, only like
1: 80 yards away. Too. Yeah. This
0: is moving fast. Um, and maybe a half hour later, 45 minutes later, I can't, I can't recall what it was, um, I see another deer moving down a hill right to me. And I stood up i would had to yeah, I stood up, and he had his head down, and all of a sudden, I just see like a rack mm-hmm. and I basically had resigned in my mind to be like, if I see a deer, I'm gonna mm-hmm. probably shoot it um if it's definitely if it's a buck like I don't care about any size or anything like that, like this is my opportunity mm-hmm. and he walked to um about seven yards seven eight yards Mm -hmm. right in front of me broadside
1: can i give my perspective on this at this point before you you give the uh the climactic finish (laughs) to this thing um and so one of the things that wasn't mentioned is that at this hunt there's like 1500 other hunters Mm -hmm. and it's a big chunk of property um and so you run into a lot of people and the way that we tend to hunt it is um you have a little bit more control of who's around you when you hunt next to the the people in your party. And so we are typically between 50 and 100 yards apart. And I'm sitting in a place I can't see you, but I can see the area that you're sitting. And I saw this deer coming from quite a ways away. And it basically had two ways to go. There was a split in the trail, either it was going to come left come around the pond and come right to me, or it was going to go around the pond and go to you on the other side of the pond. Um, perfectly went right towards you. And so I'm watching it walk, you know, right in front of me, 60 yards away, perfectly on the other side of this thing. And thinking to myself, it has to be standing right under him. Mm-hmm. Um. So then you can,
0: yeah. So it had basically, well, as I recall as I think about it more there was a doe that had ran past mm-hmm. just prior but she was at a like a quick walk and didn't give me a chance mm-hmm. but she walked this path like 7 yards in front of me and so yes on like a half hour later this buck was right on her trail and i kind of he had his nose down and was kind of like sniffing and I could kind of tell he was like going right to where she was. He was sniffing her out, Mm -hmm. so I was like ready for him to pop directly in front of me. I drew back right when he went behind a tree, like I'd been told to like hide your movements and yeah. So I drew back and he took another step and I stopped him. I stopped him and I shot and I just heard a whack, just a big loud crack. I heard it too. And I see my fletching sticking out of his, uh, hind leg, like his, his rear hind leg. And I'd laugh now, um, cause it's embarrassing and all sorts of things. It was just this crazy. Well, we moment. know how it ends. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like the amount of dread that like f- fled, like it felt like the air pressure went out of my, like the, or like the blood just like went out of my head. I was like, Oh my goodness. I cannot believe I just did that. Um, Not only did I just wound this animal, I, like, my friends are here, my, you know, my friend's dad's close by, like, they all knew this was happening, and boy, did I mess up. So I pretty much, like, was freaking out, and I texted out that I shot it in the butt, basically, in the the hind leg. Um... And you guys were so cool. You were like, you know, just take it easy. Like, it's going to be all right. We'll keep an eye out for it and we'll, we'll, you know, give it a little bit of time and then we'll get down and look for it. And eventually, throughout the time that we were waiting, uh, I determined that my arrow had actually struck a stick on the way to the deer. Uh, there was a small branch that was in front of me uh, that I was kind of covered up by um, and it deflected off into the hind quarter of the deer. Um, so that was kind of you know, what had happened to my shot. So fast forward a bit. Uh, we got down, we found some blood and proceeded to track it for maybe like a couple hundred yards mm-hmm. through the woods and it had pretty good, good blood. blood. Yeah, so I was like shocked by the amount of blood that we were seeing. I, I like didn't understand the anatomy that like there are major, major arteries and stuff still running through, <laughs> even though it's a non-vital area. It just was didn't seem right to me. But we eventually got to a spot where we completely lost it like the blood just went out and like it was a snowy day So there was snow all over the ground and we just could not find it Um, And after a minute or two we looked to our right. I think you did Mm -hmm. you're the one that spotted it we looked to the right and it was standing like 30 yards from us looking right at us Mm -hmm. and as soon as we saw it it laid down. Yep Um, So we had located it and your dad stayed where we were and he i don't know if he drew back but he was like had an arrow knocked and he was going to provide like if it got up he would shoot it and he let me kind of creep around because i didn't have a shot and had to sneak around and do a big circle around it and found an opening that i could i could shoot it again and it was yeah it was pretty intense it was lying down against a tree and it was looking right at me Mm -hmm. And it was a slightly like downhill shot and I just wanted to be quick and get it done. But, you know, it was lying down and its vitals were so close to its face. Not really, but like, I just was like, so nervous. I'm like, I'm I'm going to shoot it in the face or something. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, So like a very intense situation and ended up putting a good shot on it. And, um, it, it passed, like it expired very quickly after that. Um, so yeah, like a complete relief that we found it. Um, and that I was able to sort of finish what I started. Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly not what I wanted to have happen the night before, or even (laughs) in the moment, I couldn't believe that that's how it went down. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I've told you before, like, that was a really interesting first exposure to the whole process because really short of not finding it, that was about as bad as it could get. Um, and now, you know, having gone through that, having, um, the memory of the experience, my wife and I ate the meat for, you know, a good year after Mm -hmm. that, um, everything that like it became, was a result of that. Yeah, and I knew that like if that's I'm sure there are worse ways if like there's there's definitely you know other things that can happen that yeah. would be bad but like as far as the wounding and Harming an animal like that was mm. that kind of checked that box and yeah. like I, I understood now like what that looked like Yeah, and I was able to handle it. I guess mm-hmm. in the moment. I Don't ever want to do that again but like I might, yeah, might. And in the moment, like I think I could. Like I, I had the wherewithal or something to like, put that aside, compartmentalize the feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Understanding that like. You had a this, job to do. Yeah, this job needs to be done now. Yeah. Because every second that I'm not doing it, then the suffering or anything else that might be there mm-hmm. is like continuing on. So it was like a duty at that Like I needed to find it and I needed to like get it, um, get that second shot on it. So mm-hmm. pretty intense yeah. first, first hunt for sure. I wouldn't really wish it on people, but like it was a really
1: valuable learning experience mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I think that the thing that I re- have reflected on the most after that hunt was, was two things. One is that that hunt to me captured a lot of what, um, what hunting is, you know, and it's, it's real. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of emotion that goes on. You know, there's the anxiety and the adrenaline rush of a deer coming in and then the shot and then disappointment. And then there's like, we got to figure this out. And, a lot of talking and counseling each other. And Mm -hmm. there's, there's all sorts of stuff that happens. And when you watch a video on YouTube of a deer hunt, you know, typically it's like a, a quick shot. It's high fives. It's, you know, maybe a little bit of chest pounding, um, gloating sometimes. And to me, that doesn't reflect a lot of what hunting is to me or to the people that I'm the closest with. Um, so that was one. And then the, the other one was just thinking to myself afterwards, once we had dragged that deer out to the road, it um, was like, depending on how Jake handles this is going to determine if he continues this. It, mm-hmm. it, it could This could do one of two things. It could totally ruin somebody. Yeah, um, Because I've known people that have, that has ruined them in the past. You know, and it wasn't even that traumatic of an experience. It just, you know, just wasn't for them Mm because the deer looked at them or something. Um, So it could either be that's it. I'm done or I got it. You know, I've kind of seen what it can be and how bad it can be. um, Or it could be worse, but I know how I'm going to handle in that situation. And you definitely opted for the second one. You know, stuck with it, which was, which was great. Um, And that parallels my story. Mine's a little bit, probably more abridged or more of a synopsis because it was probably I was probably five, um, but it's similar because, um, like you said, shooting rabbits in the garden. We we had a garden growing up in our backyard. Um, my mom took a lot of pride in that garden, and it was just being destroyed by rabbits, and so we had a a deck off the back. Um, patio and uh, my dad and I decided to shoot him like if that rabbit comes in or any rabbit let's shoot him and so I I remember pretty vividly like being in a like on my on my belly on my chest with my BB gun and kind of hiding myself in the flower pots and waiting for this rabbit to step out from behind the rhubarb (laughs) And sure enough, it steps out and I shoot it and I hit it perfectly in the spine. And Mm. as some people probably know, an injured rabbit does not, its not a pleasant sound. So it was screaming and kicking and like convulsing in the dirt. Um, And I remember being really upset about it. And my dad, um, he's, he's kind of the kind of person that's, uh, He's not going to say things to make you feel better. He's going to say things to make you realize something really important. So instead of him being like, "Oh, Mike, you know, you you're, you don't feel good about yourself because of what happened." You know, he looked at me as a 5-year-old and said, "If if killing an animal is something that you want to do, this is the reality." Mm. So, you know, to a young boy who's, you know, really has no understanding of life and death. It was a really important lesson for me to learn. Um, because I remember um, I didn't, you know, t- finalize the death of that rabbit. I didn't go put out of its misery, but my dad made me stand right there mm. when he did. Um, and then I kind of had a little bit more reverence for what hunting is and what killing an animal feels like and it didn't feel good to me and i don't think it still does um you know i i've never been one to shoot a deer and then you know laugh and jump up and down and you know high five Mm -hmm. you know i i that typically comes during the meat processing part of it when i'm butchering it up then you, you know can feel a little bit more of a celebration of things. But typically I approach an animal with a little bit of sadness, you know, lay my hands on the animal and, you know, kind of show my appreciation to it. Um, and I, I, I owe that. And I'll say, I'll use the word reverence again to that initial experience that I had mm-hmm. in the garden with that rabbit, um, which is similar the way you had for sure you know it wasn't it wasn't pretty and it wasn't you know you didn't feel like you, you know all the glory it, it didn't feel good yeah you know so
0: yeah it's important that's a that's a really sort of brutal <laughs> brutal moment um and yeah it's not for everybody i never i i think i lived my whole life thinking that it wasn't for me. And I find it's very interesting now that I've experienced it, like how much it shifted my perspective on what I want to do in life and like what I want to do, uh, with the, with the world around me with where I live and how can I engage with the land around me and how can I get into different issues politically and, uh, socially and just all that. Like, it's really shaped a new lane into who I am. Um, so it's pretty, pretty crazy how, like, you can live your whole life thinking something. And with a little bit of exposure,
1: it can completely change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we could wrap that all back up into the, you know, the idea behind First Time Outdoors. Yeah. You know, I think in this podcast you'll hear a lot of accounts from us of the first time we've ever done something, you know, that we might be experienced with now or the things that we want to try and it's going to be our first time. You know, we're going to be experienced with, you know, whitetail hunting with bows and arrows, but there's a lot of things that we want to be first timers on. Mm-hmm. And we'll be um, here to document how we did it, how we sought it out, who, which kind of people we um, had as mentors and how we found those. Um, because there's there's quite a process. And to me, you know, if I want to find a new avenue in hunting and I go watch YouTube, I have a lot of thoughts to myself. You know, that looks awesome, but how do I... How do I start? Yep. Where do I begin? How do I buy a tag? How do I know where to hunt or what time of year to go or um what to pack? There's like so many questions that I think are left unanswered and that provides a barrier to people where they're like I I'm just I'm not going to even try. Yeah. And so I don't want that to become a barrier. And so we want to be Jake and I want to be those people that um you ask uh, questions to you and if we don't know the answer we'll help you find it mm-hmm. and if we do we'll certainly tell you we're not going to be those kind of people that like you go to a um you know fish cleaning house and you're like hey where'd you catch those and you get an answer like here and there
0: yeah Secretive. you know
1: like those kind of people bug me yeah you know it's you're not doing anything to help other people by keeping secrets yeah. and um not giving out your special spots you know there's those, so many times those and kind of people that that annoys me and i don't i don't want to ever give the impression that that's what we're trying to do. yep
0: the, there's been so many times as an adult i call myself like an adult onset outdoorsman like because i've had to catch up so much in my learning um going into bow shops going into fly shops um even Yeah, wherever it is looking for information on something. How do I get into x y and z and You know, like like I went down to uh, the southwestern or southeastern united states looking uh, To do a little fishing with my wife and like we went into a couple shops and it was just like there's a barrier there Mm -hmm. You need to be in the in crowd to get information Mm -hmm. and that's something that with first time outdoors we really want to sort of break down like we don't have the expert advice necessarily but like don't feel like any question is too simple because I've been there, Mm -hmm. you've been there where like you want to take a step into something that you think could be interesting. And because of a reaction that you get from somebody, even if it's a look or just kind of a, a laugh or something that's those small things without a solid mentor group or a solid peer group, that's enough to turn away somebody that actually wanted to get into it. Like Mm -hmm. there's just so much to get over and get Mm -hmm. through like the learning process that like any small little snub which i think we as people in these really uh intense groups like we can not be so conscious of that and Mm -hmm. that turns more people away than i think we think it does right so that's kind of our our main goal here with Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do and just be that place for people to, uh, learn some things and, and voice their, um, voice their stories, um, their first time stories, things that they struggled with, things that they really found, um, beauty and joy in and things that made them excited to share their passion with people. Um, cause that's what we're here doing and, uh, yeah, that's, that's it.
1: Yeah. And I think we can also look forward to having some other people on that can provide some insight into things that we have never done before, you know, and asking, maybe asking the the stupid questions that other people might be afraid to to ask because they're asking somebody they don't know very well. Um, So um, one of the things that I feel is important um, to reiterate is that even experienced hunters make mistakes you know you could like you said when you were shooting your bow for the first time and you were just really concerned about not hitting that back wall <laughs> because you didn't want to look like a fool in front of people that have been shooting bows yeah. for a long time i think the first time i drew back
0: i didn't know you were supposed to look through the peep site i didn't <laughs> know that was a thing yeah so i kept missing the target and i think it was justin i was like what are you like yeah. what's going on and then you and learned you were shooting with like, the wrong oh. hand I didn't even know I was supposed to look through the site. Yeah. So that's my, yeah. one of my examples of something. Yeah, and then you had silly. to switch eye dominance because you were left completely. eye dominant. Yep.
1: Anyway. Um, yeah, and so even somebody that's experienced makes mistakes, and that's okay to make mistakes. And so um, one of the things that I think is important is to share some mistakes that we've made. You know, I'm not too proud to make fun of myself mm-hmm. to people experienced people or people that are just learning. So, um, I'll share a couple stories from this last week, a couple mistakes that I made. Um, so, and they're actually related to each other. Um, so I've been making some modifications on my climbing sticks, um, which I don't really recommend to people because as soon as you start making those modifications, you've voided any sort of warranty that the manufacturer will, um, provide with them. Uh, but I was just looking to make them lighter. A little bit faster to attach to the tree and so i put um, a rope cam on the front of the climbing sticks and then i bought some rope um what's a rope cam a rope cam is a it's basically it's two kind of egg-shaped wheels on front that when you put the rope through it clips into place and you can't back it through so it's like a one-way clip Mm-hmm. So instead um, of
0: having a buckle, it's just a rope. Yep.
1: Yeah. So I can throw the rope around the tree, put it through the cam, and it's held tight. Um, I'm not a rock climber, so I thought any rope would do. <laughs> so I I went to like a you know Home Depot or Menards and bought some rope. And this past weekend, I was at my family's cabin. And I was like, oh, here's a tree. I'll just practice you know, make sure I know how to do this because it's always a good idea to practice your equipment before the hunting season starts. Mm -hmm. So I get the first rope around, attach it and push the sticks down on the tree to get them the lever in place. And I step up onto that thing, onto the stick. And there's an incredible amount of stretch in that rope. And so it, I'm a, pretty large person so I was able to get it to stretch far enough to get it to stick into the tree so then I went and put the next stick on but as soon as I stepped off of the stick below <laughs> there was so much stretch in the rope that the rope um, recoiled and the stick was like 90 degrees straight out from the tree oh boy! so I had no way of stepping back onto it and so to fix that problem today I ran to a you know, an outdoor, like rock climbing specific place mm-hmm. and bought more rope. But the problem was made worse by the fact that I now was, um, we'll say 12 feet up uh, in this tree. I had no way down and, uh, all of a sudden I, you know, I, I feel something sting me on the, on my forehead. Oh. <laughs> and so, so I like swatted it off. And, you know, I thought it was like a fly. And then all of a sudden it was like a swarm of bees. And I had gotten, I got stung six times before, before I finally jumped from the tree. You know, I was like 12 feet up. I just jumped straight to the ground. My brother was standing at the, on the ground. And I just, I just remember running past him like bees <laughs> and we we're running. And I got stung twice in the forehead and four times in my left ear. Oof. And it was like. You know, swollen, I look like some UFC fighter for a couple of days. Um, so uh, my two tips that come from that is, first, if you're going to modify sticks, make sure you're doing it the right way, do some more research. Um, don't just look at a picture, yeah, which is what I did. I was like, "Oh, rope and a cam cleat, that's perfect. I can do that. Um, or a rope cam. Um, wasn't the right rope. So that would have never worked. If I would have been in the woods and that would have been my first attempt with that, I would have been in trouble because I wouldn't have been able to climb down. Um, And then the second one is check for beehives (laughs) before you're climbing up a tree. Um, This wasn't like the kind of beehive that like, like the paper wasps that hang from a tree limb. This was inside the tree. So as soon as I got up there, I disturbed it and those bees were pretty pissed for for two days. So, um... Mistakes definitely can be made even by people that have been seemingly doing these things for fifteen 20 years yeah
0: that's great well we all will have plenty of mistakes in our journeys and I think uh, I think that's a that's a fun thing that to share some of those things um, but yeah we'd love to hear from from you guys uh, any first time stories uh, whether that's like any significant first time experiences in the outdoors. It does not have to be hunting related. It could be um, fishing, could be like we said earlier, uh, camping or just seeing a cool place, traveling, um, anything like that. We'd love to hear some really impactful things that you, you've you've done or things that you want to do. And, and like Mike was saying, if you have any funny uh, or interesting sort of bloopers, uh, <laughs> I don't know what we'll call those uh but we'll come up with something here um those those outdoor moments where you kind of make a mistake and um you know hopefully they're all not too dire uh but that stuff does happen as well yeah yeah i mean but that stuff happens and it's it's good things to learn um so yeah i don't know i think we're about an hour in so i think that's probably uh good for episode one um Really appreciate you guys joining with us and, and, and having a listen. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to bring you guys some fun uh, tips and stories and just kind of perspectives about our time in the outdoors. And uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you for listening.
0: Cool. We'll see you guys next week.